0: Hey e-commerce friend, today's episode is a replay of one of our most popular episodes and even if you listen to it the first time, I encourage you to listen to it again because it's likely your business has evolved a lot since then and there might be something that's more relevant to you right now or you might just hear it differently. So don't go away, listen through, let's get into it. Welcome to the e-commerce badassery podcast, the place for scrappy female entrepreneurs who want to learn actionable steps and strategies to grow the traffic, sales, and profit in your e-commerce business. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo Coster, a 20-year retail veteran who spent three years as the only employee of a seven-figure online store. That shit was crazy. I know exactly how it feels to do all the things, and I'm sharing everything I learned the hard way so you don't have to. I may have started this business by accident, but supporting badass bosses like you lights me the fuck up and I am so stoked to see you grow. Are you ready, babe? Let's roll. Welcome back to the eCommerce Badassery podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Totillo-Coster. In today's episode, we're going to talk about an essential part of marketing, not only for your emails, but in your product descriptions, on your website, and anywhere else you're sharing your marketing message. And while most of my episodes are designed to be super actionable, this is definitely one of those topics that you're going to want to go implement ASAP. So what are we talking about today? Overcoming objections before a customer can have them. And there are two main reasons why you want to do this. One, it will help you sell your product to the right people. And two, it will actually lessen your customer service inquiries and save you time. It's a win-win. I mean, who doesn't want to sell more products and save time? Speaking of saving time, have you heard episode nine of the podcast, How to Get More Done in Less Time? It's an oldie, but a goodie. Honestly, though, my podcast isn't even a year old yet at the time of this recording, so it's really not an oldie, but you know what I'm saying. Okay, back to the topic at hand, overcoming objections. Well, how do you even know what these objections are? And here's how you're going to figure it out. And you're going to ask yourself this very important question. Why would someone not buy from you? I did touch on this a bit in the episode where we went through how to use the ideal customer avatar in your business. It's episode 42 if you haven't heard it, but I want to go a bit deeper in just managing the objections portion and where and how to actually incorporate this messaging. So when you're answering this question, why would someone not buy from you? Start with whatever you already know off the top of your head, and then you can go dig a little deeper. Go look at your product reviews. See what customer service inquiries you get, what questions are customers asking on social media. Ask your team as well because they may have a different perspective than you or talk more one-on-one with your customers than you do. Another way to approach this is to think about what makes you stand out from your competitors. This is especially true if you created a better version of something a lot of products are created out of someone's frustration with everything else that's on the market. If you had that frustration, there are likely a lot of other people who have that frustration too, right? So when a potential customer first discovers your brand, they may have some preconceived notions about a product like yours that you're going to have to overcome. And I think in episode 42, I mentioned the example of dollar store eye makeup. It may be perfectly safe, but because I have preconceived notions about where the dollar store gets their product and it's something that's going to be on my face, I'm probably not going to buy that without some smart marketing by them. And one random note here, I'm certainly not poo-pooing the dollar store. I love that place. And some of the best strawberries I ever had actually came from a dollar store. And it's strange how I have no problem buying produce from there, but I make up no thanks. Anyway, you might already have some of these answers in your frequently asked questions section, but that doesn't mean your customers actually read them. And I know you've heard me say it before, but it doesn't hurt to say it again. You can't repeat yourself too much. People don't hear things every time you say them. It takes seven to 10 touches before something clicks and you've got new people coming into your orbit all the time. And that is me practicing what I preach. One quick story about this to just drive this home. The other day I did an intro post on my Instagram because there were a lot of new followers over there. And in that post, I mentioned how I used to sleep in my new shoes as a little girl. And someone commented that they did that too. But here's the thing. That's not the first time I told that story on social, not by a long shot. And that particular person has been following me for at least a year. I think it's actually closer to two. So you can't repeat yourself too much. So let's run through some examples so you have an idea of the type of points you're likely to uncover. Some obvious ones might be, what if I change my mind? Can I return or exchange it? How long will it take for me to get it? And of course, the ever so popular price objection. But there may be some other things that come up, like how long will this product last? Will it be hard to use? Is it the right product for me? Is it really the solution to my problem? And sometimes the objection is just, should I be buying this for myself right now? I talk myself out of purchases this way all the time, especially since being in quarantine but sometimes it's a mom who always puts herself last or an entrepreneur who puts their business first. Sometimes we need to connect with them on an emotional level and remind them that it's okay to treat themselves once in a while. In episode 42, I used the example of a client I worked with who sold DIY nail polish kits. You get all the ingredients necessary to mix your own custom nail polish color, which is super cool, right? But the biggest hurdle to getting that first purchase was, what if I mess it up? They were hesitant to try it because they weren't confident they could actually do it well. Now, she's already included recipes and guides in the kits, but we made sure to really highlight that message in the necessary emails and strategized a plan for what other content she needed to create in order to educate her customers how easy it really could be. Another example I mentioned is CBD. A lot of people don't understand CBD and wonder if it's going to get them high. For your customer, they may wonder if you use ethical manufacturing processes. Do you produce in the U.S.? Or do they even really need your product at all? The last one might be especially true if your product is super innovative because let's be serious, there's a lot of stuff we have today that people got along just fine without before. Oh, and another great example of this is Nivea's In Shower Body Lotion. If you remember episode 40, where I spoke to brand strategist Maureen Wongi, who talked about her experience of launching this product, it's hard to get people to change habits. And in the case of this particular product, what they realized was they actually needed to target an entirely new customer, which isn't really the conversation we're having here today. But I wanted to mention it because it does speak to the fact that sometimes the reason they wouldn't buy it is that they're already loyal to another brand or they don't quite see how it's going to fit into their existing routine. Now that you've got a handle on what those objections are, you can start working them into your marketing. And let's start with the email piece. If you think about the entire customer journey and the email automations you're going to have in place and listen to episode three if you're not sure... There are three main places you're going to want to focus on overcoming these objections. Do you know what they are? Don't worry, I'm going to tell you. It's the welcome series and your abandonment emails, like the browse and checkout abandonment. And in terms of email specifically, that makes perfect sense, right? Because these are the emails that are speaking to your customer before they make a purchase with you. So how do we actually implement this? In many situations, it's as easy as calling out your value propositions in the email, whether that's by adding icons that call out your free shipping and easy returns, a link that sends them to a page on your website to get the answers, or a section that encourages them to reach out to your customer service team for more help. Another great way to do this is by putting customer reviews into the emails themselves. Depending on your product and business, you may want to just put some general reviews in there or you can get super fancy and use dynamic content to show specific reviews on the products they're shopping for. Depending on the level of objection, you may even want to make it more of a focus in your email by putting it in the main body of the message, the top of the email, or even the subject line. It really just depends on your particular situation. Now, I know I put email marketing in the title of this episode, but there are more places you want to make sure you're hitting these points with your customer, like on your website, your product pages, and even your social media. For your general website messaging, you want to make sure you've got it on your customer service and FAQ pages. If you offer free shipping, you'll want to have that in your hello bar. And depending on your business, you may even want to answer those non-product specific objections on your cart page. Anything that is product specific, though, you're going to want to have that on your individual product pages. And depending on your product assortment, this might be something that makes sense on all of your products, like the CBD and nail polish kit examples I gave you. If that's the case, having a link on the product page that either pops up into a modal or sends them to another page on your website works well. And this is likely something you can add into your theme settings, so I would definitely check your documentation. If it's not universal across your product, then you're better off just working that into your product descriptions. And let me give you an example from my own business. One of the first services I offered and that I still offer is a Klaviyo audit. This is where I dig into your account, find optimization opportunities, and then deliver my findings to you over a 90 minute call. Now, if you're someone struggling to get results from your email marketing, this is likely a great service for you. But you might be wondering, okay, but what happens next? Or awesome, so you're basically just going to give me a big giant list of things to add to my already never-ending to-do list. So when I'm talking about this service, I make sure to point out a few main things. One is that it's best if you have the time or a team to implement my recommendations. And two, that I give you a prioritized action plan. So yes, you're getting a list of things to do, but I'm prioritizing those items for you so you know which ones to focus on first based on the return you're likely to see. So I'm already answering those objections before you can even have them. And you can do the same thing in your product descriptions. I have another client I work with who sells nursing sports bras. One of the biggest issues women face is finding a supportive bra that lets them easily nurse their newborn and fits well with their changing body. So not only did she create a product to solve this problem, but these points above are all a focus in the product description, letting the customer know that yes, I know this is an issue for you and here's how we fixed it. At the end of the day, Your goal isn't necessarily to convince someone to buy your product. It's really to help them decide whether or not it's the best product for them. And the way you do that is by understanding those objections and giving them not just the answer they want to hear, but the right answer. Okay, so now that you're ready to implement this, there's one quick thing I want you to do first, and that's to make a note of where you are right now so you can check your data for improvement after you make these updates. For example, let's say you're gonna update your car abandonment emails with product reviews. Take note of your click rate and conversion rate on those emails before you had the product reviews in there. Make the updates and let the flow run for 30, 60, or 90 days depending upon how many people are running through them. Try and get at least 100 people through there before you look back at the metrics and then see if your click rate and conversion rate improved. The same can be done with your add to cart rate for your product pages. So take note of your add to cart rate before you make the updates to your product descriptions and see what impact it had. And this is the way I would approach any testing by the way, but that's an episode for another day. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, don't wait to implement this because it has the potential to have a very positive impact on your business. I can't wait for you to try it. And then please come and tell me how it went. I'll be watching my Instagram DMs for your results. And on that note, friend, I'm out. Thanks so much for spending your time with me today. And I'll see you on the flip side.